0: following audio is a recording from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. Glad to be here. Um, You know, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs 18. Pete asked me to kind of share with you guys something that is... uh, Kind of personal to me, and something that has, has affected me a lot, um, and I knew pretty much right away that this was going to be something that I talk about, as we talk together about the power of words, the power of our speech, what the Bible says, calls your, our tongues, how we speak to one another, right? This is something that affects every single person in this room. It doesn't matter you know, if you are young, if you're six years old, or if you're 60 years old. It doesn't matter if you are if you're single or if you're married. It doesn't matter if you are, you know, a soccer mom or a, or a starving artist. Everybody in this room needs to hear, including myself, and this is huge preaching to myself, the power of our words. Scripture talks about the power of our words so much. It's incredible actually, the dramatic things that the Bible says about how we speak. And so this is very personal to me. Uh, the alternate title to today's message is uh, Confessions of a Former Word Jerk. Um, <laughs> and my wife is here this morning, and uh, she can tell you that often it's not so former, right? Our words have so much power, and scripture talks about it over and over and over again. And all of us, including myself, we, we derive so much identity by by what we say and the things that we can say with our mouths and the things that people say about us we derive so much identity from speech right and the bible knows this and it says some pretty crazy things james chapter 3 verse 2 says this amazing thing it says uh for we all stumble in many ways so everybody in this room is a sinner everybody stumbles in many ways but if anyone does not stumble does not stumble in what he says he is a perfect person, or a mature person, or a complete person, able also to bridle his whole body. James says the key to you being a mature person, the key to you actually getting control of every area of your life is actually through your tongue, through what we say to one another. That's amazing. That's just one of the examples. I wish I had several sermons to go through all of what the Bible says, all of what the book of Proverbs, which we're going to be in this morning, says about how we use our tongues in fact in the book of proverbs it talks the most about this idea of wisdom that's what the the book of proverbs is about but apart from that word wisdom and that idea of wisdom the number one thing that proverbs talks about is how we speak to one another so let's go there proverbs 18 verse 21 just one verse a big one (laughs) it says this death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits let's go to God and pray together God, I already feel convicted this morning I already feel the weight of even this morning and the the words that I've said or have not said and the power that those things have in my family and in my spheres of influence. And, God, we want to submit to your word. We want to come to your word, and we want to sit underneath it, and we want to be changed by it. And so I pray that you would do a a big work in our lives, even this morning, by the power of your word, which is given to us through Jesus Christ. And we want to honor him this morning. Would you help us? In his name, amen. So there, there are two types of people in the world. Um, there, are, there are people who talk on airplanes, and people who don't. Am I right? I can tell by the looks of you know recognition. You guys, you guys all fall in one of those categories. You're either one of those people that sits down and you make small talk, or you're one of those people that avoids it like no other. You know, and I had this experience. So I usually actually am pretty talkative on the airplane, um, usually, but I got on an airplane a few months ago, and was going, flying to Houston, and you know, there's always that question when you walk onto the airplane, it's like, will there be small talk? <laughs> and uh, and you, you walk down the aisle and you're trying to find your seat, and then you realize, of course, that you're in the in-between seat, right? So you, you neither get the benefits of the aisle or the window, and so I, I'm looking, and there's my seat, and there's already two people there, so I got to get the person out of the, the aisle seat to sit down, and these people, they're, they're sending all the signals. There's going to be no talk, right? And some of you people are like this, right? So, like, suddenly you're very interested in what's going on outside. Like, oh, oh, look, this airplane has wings, you know? <laughs> they're loading our luggage in there? I mean, you know, you're looking out, you're sending the signal, like, don't don't talk to me. and uh, And the other person just was reading, you know, and had the book up near their face. And everybody's sending the signals. There's not going to be any small talk. So, I'm comfortable with this. That's fine. I'm used to it. And uh, and so, when you're bored, you do the only thing you can do, which is turn to the in-flight magazine. <coughs> but you know things have gotten bad when you turn to the in-flight magazine. Anyway, I'm flipping through this magazine, and I stop on an article. There's an article in this magazine about how to have small talk. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I'm sitting here, this is the most awkward thing in the world. I'm reading an article about how to have small talk while I'm sitting next to people who want none of it. You know, and so... I just can't imagine if they overlooked and they saw it. It's like, this guy w- really wants to talk to us. He's even reading an article about it. But anyway, I was reading this article, and it was, it was a fine article, but it struck me, and I had I'd been meditating over this passage, Proverbs 18:21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and it stuck out to me. I had to take a picture of it and remember this, because there was some advice that this person gave in the article she said she said this and she was an expert on small talk that was like part of her description. She said there are a million opportunities for small talk and we shouldn't treat each one as if it's a matter of life and death. We shouldn't treat each one as if it is a matter of life and death. Now, I get it. I get what she's trying to say, you know, she's trying to relieve pressure and some of you some of you are like that's that's a good thing I need to be relieved of that pressure. That is, that's fine as far as it goes, but it struck me how opposite it is of what the Bible says about how we talk to one another. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue, in what we say to one another. But we have this, just this casual view of our words, right? We just think so lightly of what we say. I mean, we've all heard the phrase, as dumb as it is. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I mean, that is just the most ridiculous statement ever made, right? Because every single person in this room has been hurt by the power of words multiple times, maybe even today. We say talk is cheap. Sometimes. Sometimes it's extremely costly. We know this, we, but we have this, this casual view of our words we still treat our words like they're not a big deal we still have this distancing from our from our words the way that we speak to one another and we just think it's so casual we act like they're just a means to an end right communication is just kind of this means to an end if you ever walked into a room where two people are conversing and you ask them what are you doing what will they say oh we are just talking right there's nothing of consequence going on here it's just filling the time we're moving on to something bigger and better later we're just talking but the bible says it's not just talking there's power in what we say to one another so the goal of this morning uh just very obviously is that we would think more carefully about the life-changing power of our words that's the point to think more carefully to slow down to add some intentionality to the way that we speak why because our words have power and to understand that power, I just want us to ask three questions about the power of our words. Why, what, and how? The first question is why. Why do words have power? Why, do, why is it so, so much the case that when we speak, it actually has the power to do something in our own lives and in someone else's life? Why is that the case? And there are two answers to that question. The first one from, from the scripture is because, because the whole universe is made up of words. The whole universe is made up of words. You read Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be, and there was. Everything that we see, everything that we are, is a spoken reality. It's, that's how God created everything. But it's not just how he created things, it's how he continues to uphold things. If you've read the book of Hebrews, it says this in, in chapter 1, verse 3, That God upholds everything by the what? The word of his power. He continues to hold everything together by words. Words are everywhere. Words are what make up the world. Words are what God continues to do. St. Augustine, I don't even know if this is true or not, or if it's right, but it's really cool. He used that verse, Hebrews 1, chapter 3, uh, 3, to say, that at every second, God recreates the world through words. It's almost as if he's he's creating over and over again, and everything that moves and goes into the right place, he recreates everything by the word of his power. Words, they're everywhere. If it helps, think of the matrix, if you've seen this. Uh, You know, the the matrix is the computer world, right? There's the real world, and there's the the computer world, and the computer world... Is, is the matrix, and it's got, it's run by this computer code, and so you see that famous green and black screen where all these computer codes are going up and down, and those codes make up the fake world, right? In, in a sense, it's like that. God is saying, but instead of a computer code, it's actually the word of God. He, he, the whole world is made up of words. It's an amazing thing, and that's why they have power. Because God has given us the authority to use words as well in the same way that he uses them. So when we speak, we do something that's God-like, right? That's why it has power. That's the first answer, because the whole universe is made up of words. But the second answer is this, and it's more personal than just the whole world. It's this, because words are intimately connected to our hearts. This is what scripture says. There is a, a connection between what we say and what's going on in our hearts. And it works both ways. Actually, the way the scripture talks about it is that there's kind of a, like a symbiotic relationship between our words and our heart. You guys, I'm going to take you back to sixth grade science class. Remember symbiosis, right? Two things that are, that are mutually beneficial to, to one another. So the classic example are bees and flowers, right? Bees help flowers, flowers help bees. Uh, you know because bees land on there and they get the pollen and so they help pollinate the flowers but they get nectar from the flowers and so there's this kind of relationship bees and flowers grow stronger or grow weaker together and that's the way the scripture talks about the way that we speak and the way that we are on the internal side of who we are jesus says in luke chapter six he said out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart The mouth speaks. So what's going on deep inside here is is going to reflect in what we say out here. There's a relationship between the two. The heart feeds the mouth. But actually, this is lesser known uh, in Scripture. We also see that the mouth feeds the heart. It says this in Proverbs 18, verse 20. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach, or his internal being, is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Proverbs 26, 22, in a kind of a negative context, it says the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down to the heart or the inner part of the body. So what we say actually has the ability to affect our hearts. There's a relationship between what we're saying and how we are on the inside. I once heard uh, Tim Keller say it like this, I thought it was extremely helpful, he said first you you say something uh, because you believe it but then you believe it because you said it first you say something because you believe it, you're feeling something on the inside so you give give voice to that, You, you say it out loud but then it strengthens what you believe when you actually say it that word has a power to go back in and affect who you are and so Just by way of applying this to us, to to get this idea that our hearts and our mouths are connected, I encourage you to move back and forth between those two, and here's what I mean. So when you notice that you've said something that you know you shouldn't have said, and we do this all the time, whether it's mean-spirited or crude, when we speak, our first question should be this, what's going on in my heart? What's going on inside here that made what I just said a reality? Because the heart feeds the mouth. But it works the other way as well. Sometimes when you notice what you're feeling on the inside, whether you're feeling guilt or you're feeling anxiety or you're feeling just hatred, you can ask yourself this question. What have I said or what have other people said that I've heard recently that is feeding my heart? This lie or this untruth. What's going on out here with my mouth that is feeding the inside of who I am? It works both ways. So be careful what you say. Not only because it has the power to reveal your heart, what you say reveals what goes on in here. But because it has the power to then shape your heart as well. That is why words have power. Because God made everything and continues to make everything by his words. And we have that power as well. And, and the scripture says also it reveals and it shapes your heart. That's why words have power. That's why when you open your mouth to your spouse or to your family, it has such power. And the second question that I want us to look at is, is this, is what? What power are we talking about? What, what, what can words actually do? What power do words have? And that's where we look at our text and we see two things. Power of death and life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So the tongue has the power of, of death. I can tell you this from personal experience. Uh, let me tell you about uh, Emily Gilbert. It's, it's not funny when you say a, word, you know, a name from your past and nobody else has any idea, but you can like totally see them. Anyway, Emily Gilbert is my crush from second grade to fifth grade. So three years of my life were given over to this girl. Who never really showed any interest in me, and so from second to fifth grade, I was in love with Emily Gilbert. We were already married in my head. We had kids. God's gracious, she moved away in the fifth grade, you know. And that, if I hadn't, if she hadn't moved away, then there's no way I would have met Becca, my wife, and you know, because because it was that done, you know. Like I was in love with Emily Gilbert, but the way that I expressed this love for Emily was different between the second and the third grade. Uh, so in the second grade. I was in love and the whole world could know it, right? I I just, I let everybody know, I didn't care. I had this like confidence, you know, like people would come up, you know, snickering and chuckling and say, you like Emily Gilbert? And I would say, yeah, I do. Like, why wouldn't, why would I hide that? And, uh, but that all changed by words, by the words that somebody said to me, Ann Russell. Ann Russell was also in our grade, and I really hope, you know, this is going on a recording, I haven't seen either of these people in like 20 years, but you know, <coughs> Ann Russell, actual name, actual person, she, she destroyed this, this inner confidence that I had. You know, she, she said to me one day after school, now I have a terrible memory. But I can tell you, I remember this day. I remember what she was wearing that day in second grade. I remember where we were in the schoolyard as we were waiting to be picked up by our parents. And she came up to me with a smug look on her face and said, you like Emily Gilbert? And I said, yes, I do. And she said, well, I can assure you, she does not like you. <laughs> and that there w- there was a death, right? I mean, it's silly. It totally is silly, and I, I laugh about it now. But for it was a death then, right? It was not only the death of this kind of I feel exposed and embarrassed, but I lost all that, this confidence that I had. And it was, you know, most of us, all of us, I think, we don't have to look back to second grade. We may not even have to look back to second to last week to know that, that words can bring death into our lives. What kind of death? Well, for me that day, it was emotional death, right? There was a kind of internal death. And as silly as it was, there have been other times where I can remember exactly when things happened. And I remember the death that happened on the inside of who I am because of what someone else said. But also this, not just the words don't just have the power to destroy emotional life. You may think I'm being dramatic here, but words have the power to destroy physical life. Maybe a tough sell to you, but but think about it this way. Words have have launched wars words have led to suicide in fact someone that i knew in high school who took his own life when he was a junior in high school because of the words that someone else said to him that told him that he was worthless and i'm not blaming that person they don't need to carry that for the rest of their life necessarily but but it's to remind us that without those words i mean he may still be alive in a sense. Their, their words carried him, pushed him to that point. And he had a lot of other issues going on in his life too. But words have the power to push people in that direction. Words can bring death to our emotions. They can bring physical death. They also can kill our relationships. Proverbs 16, 28 says, A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisper separates close friends. Words can bring death to your relationships. Words have killed marriages. It can kill your marriage. Words have killed friendships. Words have ended <laughs> jobs for people. Words have, have created, have have made people lose opportunities for advancement. Words kill relationships. They take away something that's life-giving. And so I have to ask you guys. Just to apply this to yourselves this morning, knowing that words have the power of death. The scripture tells us, our experience tells us, words have the power of of death. Where are you bringing death into your life and the lives of other people? Are you using words to chip away at your spouse? To chip away at their inside, their emotional life? Your husband or your wife? Are you using words to rob your kids of confidence? Are you using words to rob your peers of of advancement or of, of, of praise from a boss or whatever it might be? Apply it to your situation. Words bring death into relationships. Brought death uh, <laughs> into ours. I mean, this is personal to me. I remember my wife gave me uh, a gift one time. <laughs> she... Uh, she gave me this book, and uh, it was kind of a joke gift, and I, I opened up the wrapper. It was from a used bookstore, and uh, the, the title of the book was The Superior Person's Book of Words. And it was, it was, you know, ha-ha, funny. You know, it was funny, and I love it. I actually love that book. It's, I, I love looking at obscure words. That's, if you know me at all, I'm, I'm a pun guy. You know, I'm, I'm a word guy. So it was a good gift. But it made me think, and it slowed me down in a way, it started to change in my life, as I realized that when she thinks about someone with a superiority complex with words, she thinks about me. I bring death into that relationship. We have the power to bring death, physical, emotional, relational death. And here's the thing, you don't know how far that death is gonna go. Once we release words, We don't know how far that death is going to go. I think that's what the second half of that verse means. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Those who love it will eat its fruits. Kind of a hard verse to translate, but what I think it means is you reap what you sow in terms of your words. If If you love to bring death with your words, you will see increasing death in your relationships. But if you bring life, That's the other side, and the the glorious side. You will see life spring up through your words. Words bring life. (laughs) Thank God for that. Words bring life. At that same time that I was in love with Emily Gilbert, around second grade, I remember another conversation, another power of words moment in my life, as my dad took me... (laughs) Every Sunday morning, we would go to this little Methodist church. that so was about 30 minutes away, the church he grew up in. This was kind of our time together on Sunday mornings at like 6 a.m. And we had these conversations, and I remember some great moments from it. But I remember this day. I remember where we were on the country road. I remember the surroundings, just like I remember Emily Gilbert, or Anne Russell, as she was telling me about Emily Gilbert. I remember this car ride because my dad said to me this, I remember the tone of his voice, he said, your mother and I have been praying that you would be sensitive to God's call to ministry one day if he wants you in that. Now, there was no pressure there, I mean, he was also, he talked to me about business, and we we talked about this kind of stuff all the time, there was no pressure there, but what he did is he created something in my life, he created a platform, a space that God actually used to call me. And to this day when people ask me, why did you become a pastor? It's the first story I tell. Because he created life in me. Words have that power to give life. I love Proverbs 10, verse 11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. we have you known a righteous person, a person who walks with God, when they open their mouth, it's blessing and it it gives life to people. It's a fountain of life. We can bring healing. How do we give life through our words? Healing. Proverbs 12.18 There's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We can bring joy. Proverbs 12.25 Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but A good word makes him glad. All it takes is a word sometimes, a a phrase or a conversation. Has anyone ever spoken life into you? And they demonstrated that they knew you. They speak life. Our words have the power to bring death, and they have the power to bring life. The last question I want us to consider very quickly is this. How should we use the power of words? And to answer that question, in some ways, is to just take up the whole Bible and make it your whole life. I try to understand how can I speak well. I can't do that, obviously, but I can do enough to depress you this morning. It's my goal. Just really quickly, five brief things that we see. I, as I study through the book of Proverbs, I see all these, these statements about our words. Here are a few things that, that we see. Our words should be appropriate and not careless. There's all kinds of verses about this in Proverbs. Proverbs twenty five eleven. A word fitly spoken or appropriately spoken is like apples of gold and setting of silver. An apt word, a word at the right moment that's not careless. (laughs) Secondly, our words should be honest and not deceitful. (laughs) That's hard. (laughs) Honest, we speak the truth, but also not deceitful, coming around from the other side, right? Right? Because we all know that we can speak words that are true and yet hide the truth in a sense, too. But there's all these verses in Proverbs about how we should not be deceitful. Thirdly, our words should be calm and not rash. Calm, not rash. This is Proverbs twelve eighteen says, There's one whose rash words are like sword thrust. I read this a moment ago, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Not rash, but actually thought out. Fourth, persuasive and not harsh. This is a great classic verse, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Soft answer. But That doesn't mean soft, doesn't mean wimpy, right? In fact, later on in Proverbs, Proverbs 10, verse 19, or sorry, Proverbs 10, verse 18 says, ah, oh, missed it, no, Proverbs 25 says, a soft tongue, same word, breaks a bone. So this is not just wimpiness, this softness. No, it's, it's appropriateness, it's, it's persuasiveness. Our words should be few. There's all kinds of verses in the, in the Proverbs that say your words should be few, but not silent. <laughs> Proverbs 10, 18, the one who conceals hatred has lying lips. It's possible to lie when you don't say anything, right? We, we know this to be the silent treatment, <laughs> right? Which I'm guessing most of us have experienced and dealt out. There's all these things here, and my point is not for you necessarily to write them all down and to, to just live by them. You know, it's, it's impossible. Let me just give you a summary from my, book, my reading of the book of Proverbs. At all times, you need to be able to speak to someone in a way that they can best hear you. Without being careless or self-centered, in a way that's completely honest, yet calm, gentle, and persuasive, You must avoid deceit. All of this must be done with as few words as possible and never give people the silent treatment. That's a tall order. It's even taller than that. If you don't do all those things all the time, you're inevitably bringing death into your relationships. That's just the way it is. What hope do we have? Our only hope, of course, is in the word. The Word who became flesh—it's Jesus Christ. All right? But everything is spoken. Everything in this world is spoken reality. You are a spoken reality, and yet the Bible says there is one Word—the Word who became flesh, John chapter one—who is above all the other words. He is the Word of God, Jesus Christ, and He is the one. He is the only way that that the only way that we can have power to overcome all the death that we're bringing into our relationships. How does He do that? Well, the Bible says he speaks to us. His words are, are spoken to us in Hebrews chapter 1. It says, in many ways throughout the Old Testament, God spoke through the prophets. He spoke through everyone. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, Jesus. And if you are a Christian this morning, if you're trusting in him, your only hope is that Jesus has spoken to you. And that word rises above every other word that you could say, every other death that you might bring through your relationships. If he speaks to you, then you have life. But not only that, Jesus not only speaks to us, he he speaks for us. This is an amazing truth from Romans chapter 8, where it says that Jesus right now is at the right hand of God, interceding for us, speaking for us, Through his blood, he's pleading the merit of his blood. His blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. His blood speaks for you if you're trusting him. That's your only hope, that he has spoken to you and that he continues to speak for you so that when you bring death into your relationships as you will, he is speaking for you. And lastly, the amazing thing is that he speaks through us. He not only speaks to us and for us, but through us, and he changes us. Scripture says, in Christ, we are a new creation. Because of what he has done for us, he transforms us into people who can speak life to other people. And so the first call this morning, as it always is, is to grow deeper in in Jesus, to grow deeper in that relationship with him. Because without him, you have no power to change anything else in your life. How is your relationship with him? It's a growing deeper. And if it is, you'll begin to change. And maybe you haven't done that at all, and maybe you need to do that. You need for Jesus to speak to you. I'm praying that he will this morning, that you would ask him to, and that he will speak on your behalf. But if he has done that for you, if he has spoken to you, and if he has spoken for you, if he speaks through you, then it's appropriate for you to ask yourself, how am i speaking it's appropriate for you to slow down this week and to get intentional in some ways and say i don't want to bring death into this this relationship jesus has already brought all the death that needs to be brought he died for me there doesn't need to be any more death his death has accomplished everything what i want is life and i want life in my relationships Through him and through his power, that's the way we should speak. Life through his name. Let's pray together. For more audio and information, please visit HolyCrossTucson.com.